All right, we're in week seven of our home series, our vision series, what it means for us to be home. We've talked about home in, in the sense of home with God and with each other and on purpose that God has for us that way. Home is not a building, it's not a, it's not a room, um, it, it's, a, it's not physical location like that. Home is relationship with God, with each other, on purpose, uh, with Him. Um, as... Uh, denoted by these three main areas, devoted, given, released. Uh, today we're in 2 Corinthians. We're going from the end of chapter 3 all the way through to the end of chapter 5, but just bits of it. But I would very, very much encourage you in this subject of released, because we're on the second week of released now, to know 2 Corinthians from the end of chapter 3 all the way through to the end of chapter 5. It is beautiful. I mean, all Scripture is beautiful, but it, it just... It hits this release button really, really well. Last week, Mandy spoke to us about what we're released from. Um, and if you haven't heard that, I would encourage you to have a listen to that online. Uh, I'll summarize it a little bit in the end of 2 Corinthians 3, where Paul says, when he's writing to the Corinthians, but whenever someone turns to the, to the Lord, the veil is taken away. He's talk, talking about the veil that blinds people from the reality of God. The veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who've had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we're changed into His glorious image. Um, This is what we're released from. From everything that would stop us from seeing Jesus, from understanding who He is, from believing the things that he said about us when that veil is taken away and we are transformed more and more and more to be like him Uh, and our character is shifted so that we think like him want the things that he wants move in the ways that he wants us to move that's what we're released from those things fear guilt um, doubt um, insecurity inadequacy addiction pain Not so much pain. All the other things. (laughs) But here's what we're released to. This is the first thing we're released to. We're released to God's perspective. This is in 2 Corinthians 4, starting at verse 3, where Paul says, If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it's hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who's the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ who is the exact likeness of God. And in the next chapter, he says, so we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. We're released to God's perspective. I, was, I had um, lunch with Pete Cav this week, if you don't know Pete Kavanagh. He's a friend of mine. He used to be a pastor um, in town here. And um, still very active in his faith. And um, just brilliant thinker. Anyway, he told me this story about, he was at Civic Park, because he loves the park, and a ute drove up and threw their KFC rubbish out onto the park and then drove off. Um, and I don't know what you're thinking about that. Yeah, what Pete thought was, wow, mate, how big is your world? And you love that thought. Like, is it just your little ute cab? Is that the extent of your, the, things that, the place that you care about? That... That, that, you know, that you have a, a ownership over, that you have responsibility to? Is it just that, really? 
and just chuck stuff out the window. So Pete came and he picked all the rubbish up and he put it in the bin because this is my park. You know, and I don't want rubbish in this park. Psalm 24:1 The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to him. Genesis 1 God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. This whole earth belongs to God. We, humans, we are given charge of it. All of it. Now, not just this country, all of it. And not just the crust what's happening out there too that we can control our environment and what we do to it it's, it's in our charge that's one aspect of being released um, to God's perspective but the perspective Paul is talking about here relates to how we see other people who is in your world and it's an easy way for, for you to diagnose this now in the current crisis um, who is your toilet paper for? If someone says, can I have some of yours? Who do you, who do you go, yeah, freely? And who do you go, oh, what? That's a bit cheeky. Like, who's in your world? not just toilet paper is it it's going to be more than that it's going to be food it's going to be medication um, stores now uh, I've had these little moments of panic because we're down to our last maybe I don't know nine rolls or so that's right that's right um, but look at us right if I run out of toilet paper do you mind if I call you and say have you got any spare Really? We're in the church, right? How big is your world? How can anyone in the street that you live in fear that they're not going to have enough cream corn in the pantry? You know what I mean? How big is our world? And who is in our world? This is God's perspective. Because from now on, we regard no one from a human point of view. We used to, but now we regard no one from a human point of view. God's perspective is his people. The earth is the Lord's and all the people in it. And now me, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, so I care about everyone. Because that's God's perspective. There's no boundaries, there's no sets. There's just those who've had the veil lifted and are reconciled with God um, and those who are yet to experience that fully. There's just our brothers and sisters in Christ and then there's kids who need to come home. That's God's perspective. That's what we're released to. 
We're also released to God's motivation, 2 Corinthians 5. Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive this new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they'll live for Christ who died and was raised again. We're released to God's motivation, which is love, selfless love. Wanting and working for the best of everyone. Christ's love uh, controls us. This is a picture of, um, this next one, of... uh, the Wuhan province in China. Um, so the people in yellow have become um, known in that province. These are the Christians. So they put their pseudo-hazmat suits on and they wander around ministering to the sick while everyone else is fleeing and hiding and isolating. They went towards people in need with precautions. Here, this is uh, one of them who they hand out um, gospel tracts like you know, this is a Jesus thing, and free masks, because you can't buy a mask for love or money in Wuhan. So the Christians have pulled all their masks that they have, and said, let's give these away to the people who don't have masks. And so they've got people coming up to them in the street to get provisions, but they can't, they can't buy anywhere because they're not in the stores. And they have gone from kind of like a, you know, a little-known population to everybody knows who the Christians are in Wuhan because of their love. It's not unique. Christians throughout the centuries have run towards victims of pestilence when others flee. Um, Actually, times like this often mark rapid growth in the church as the Christians remain to care for the sick. Um, You can read the 4th century Roman Emperor Julian complaining bitterly about these Christians who cared even for the non-Christian sick. And you can read about how the death rates in uh, communities that had a strong Christian presence in them um, reduced by as much as half in, those, in times of disease and trial in the Roman Empire. Martin Luther, uh, yeah, 16th century reformer, he A plague came to his town in his day and he refused to flee the plague. He lost his daughter to it, actually. He wrote a pamphlet. Someone asked him to write a sermon on it. He wrote a pamphlet um, titled, Whether Christians Should Flee Plague. And his premise, you can read all of that. It's easy to Google. But his premise really is, um, whether Christians should flee plague, um, only if their faith is weak. That was really his... I'll summarize it for you. You know, if you feel like you have to, then go, because God's gracious, but not really. You know, only if their faith is weak. He urges responsibility. Don't be silly. Don't spread it. Isolate um, victims. Take precautions. Get your will up to date. That was his other thing. (laughs) He cites Matthew 25, you know, uh, I was sick and you came to me. I was in prison and you came to me. Um, in as much as you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. Jesus saying, that's how I know that you've loved because you did it. Uh, so he cites Matthew 25 and he says something like, I'll summarize it because he uses different language that we would use. He says, we can only really leave a diseased, isolated, lonely, unwell or dying person if we're sure someone else is providing for them. 
in their hour of need. So that's the, that's the option that we have. Is we, can't, we can't walk away from someone in trouble. We can't because Christ's love compels us and we've got a new perspective that everyone matters. All people matter. Somebody's got to look after that brother or sister who's in need. And he points out that we're off to heaven with Jesus anyway. So woohoo. So we're released from fear and from selfishness and from small territorial kind of sucking in, hoarding worlds. We're released to God's motivation, which is love. God's love that wants the best for all the others, that love that takes our attention off ourselves and onto others. Um, I was reminded yesterday of something that Ross Turnbull said when he was up here, when he was, before he prayed. Um, he said, I was worried about praying and I, and, I, and I was afraid of being here, but my desire has overcome my fear. And this is what Christ's love does for us. Uh, when, when, we're, when we are overtaken by the love of God, uh, our desire to love the way he loves overcomes our fear. And this love is not silent. It has a message. We love because he loves. We forgive because he forgives. We serve because he served first, which is our segue into the next thing we're released to, which is the message. We're released with God's message. 2 Corinthians 5. This will be familiar to most of us. And all of this, he talked about, uh, just verse 17 is, Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And all of this is from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. What wonderful message of reconciliation? That previous verse, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. So we're Christ's ambassadors. God's making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who'd never sinned, be the offering for our sins so we could be made right with God through Christ. (coughs) This is our message. God was in Christ. He's reconciling the world to himself. He's not counting people's sins against them. Come back to God. This is this is. We are released with this message from God. We're we're the ambassadors to say to the world, to to people who don't know Jesus, come back to God. He won't count your sins against you. Come back to God. Come back to God. Now, I can tell from the energy in the room that you're not feeling too released. Um, Now, I want to talk about this fourth way that we're released, we're released in God's power. Paul said in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. 2 Corinthians 4, Paul says, you see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said... Let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that's seen in the face of Christ. Now, this is one of my favorite verses. 
God who said, let there be light in the darkness. What's he talking about there? Creation. Like God who said, it's all dark. God said, light. And boom, and there was light. May this light shine in our hearts. So we could know the glory of God that's seen in the face of Jesus Christ. He goes on. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars. Anyone here feel like a fragile clay jar? Yeah. Containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. Now, I know this verse, and you've probably heard it a lot of time, a lot of time too, and you think, yeah, that's us, we're clay jars, and we contain this uh, treasure. Like, Paul acknowledges that we're clay jars, but his point here is what? Light! And, and this great power that's in you. And the whole point is, it's not you. It's not you. Who is it? It's God. It's His power. It's power to save people. It's power to reconcile people with God. It's power to, to call, to come back to God and to quicken people's hearts so that they will feel that and, and know that and, and respond. Not because you did anything right, you frail, fragile, broken clay jar, you. But because God wants to and he aligns his power behind his will. And this is what he's doing in the world, reconciling people to himself. In Ephesians 1, uh, Paul prays that we would know the incomparably great power to us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Now, I just want to focus on his incomparably for a minute. <clears throat> Think of everything in your life that is <clears throat> excuse me, powerful. I'm just clearing my throat. I'm not feeling sick. Now, you think about your fear, how powerful is your fear? You think about all the inadequacies inside you, you stack them up. I'm not good enough, I'm broken actually, I carry an addiction, I've got a problem, I'm a hypocrite. There's all these powerful things inside you. Now you stack up, now there's things against me. Um, People might ridicule me or hurt me or there's, um, there's a coronavirus, I could get really, really sick or... I could get murdered, or I could get hurt, or I could get thrown in all, the, all this power that's against you. And Paul says, this power is incomparably great. Like, you cannot compare something to the power of God. It is incomparably great. And it's in you. Not because of you, but because of God. And God's power aligns behind God's will. And he wants to reconcile the world to himself. I've seen some stuff online lately, uh, the last few days, which has troubled me. I'm trusting the blood of Jesus to protect me from this virus. Look, I don't know if God's going to protect you from it. He might, right? But it's not what he's doing. 
His purpose for your life is not that we'd be safe and protected and, and, and okay and comfortable and that we'd maintain our financial security. And like, He wants you to know Him because that's eternity. That's our whole hope that we'd know Jesus and that we'd hang on to Him with both hands and that we'd find all of our fulfillment and sustenance and, and joy and life that our desires would be so sufficiently shifted that we would want nothing except what God wants for the world. And that, look, my health is immaterial to that goal. But what I know he wants to do is use me to say to people and to show to people, come back to God. I've seen more miracles working with people who don't know Jesus than I have within the church. And, I'm, and I think that's probably why, because God aligns his power behind his will. Not that God doesn't have the power to make me safe and protected. He can, and there's not anything wrong with saying, God, can you please protect me and mine? Like, we, we do that. Um, but let's take it further into the desires that God's, you know, bringing into our hearts as Christ's love compels us to say God use me use me and can I just have all of your best God in my life and can you just make me willing to pay the price for it because that's what God's doing in the world um we we feel when we ever talk about reaching out to other people or, or saying Jesus out loud or or um or, you know, like including people in our circle who, who don't know Jesus and we, whatever it is that makes you afraid or feel inadequate or whatever in that space, you start to feel, um, it, it can be threatening. You can feel like I'm putting pressure on you for that. And people have said this to me, Danny, you do this naturally and you just don't pressure me. So I want to just, let's, can we back off the pressure of this, understand that it's God. I want to tell you a story about this lady, I'll call her Jenny. It wasn't a real name. Um, I did a, when I was at my last church, I did a study of the people who'd come to faith and why they'd come. And we found a few things. One, most people in Australia who come to faith do so on the arm of a Christian person. That is, uh, the people that we're kind of, um, the people that we're showing the love of God to are our friends. <laughs> that makes sense. The pool of people we draw from is only as great as our great friends. Um, uh, the second thing I discovered is, this one lady was, uh, had brought about 15 people um, across a few years who'd come to faith. And I thought, what a fantastic evangelist. I want to go and find out more about her. So I go and find out about her, and I find out that she is frightened sick of ever saying anything to anyone about God. Um, but her husband was an alcoholic, so she went to the meetings... And, um, and she just said to people, you should come to my group with me because they're really nice and they look after us. She said, that's my whole message. You should come. Because <laughs> um, we have different gifts, don't we? And we have different influences and we have different contacts with people and we've just got to do us really well. We're, just, we're released to be us. Like, Daryl is not going to be me, thank goodness. And I'm not going to be him, but we're both released to be us, to be who we should be. 
Um, I heard a, uh, last night, actually I was preparing this, so I heard for the first time an Andrew Peterson song called Be Kind to Yourself. It's a beautiful song. I thought it fitted here, so I'll just read you some of the lyrics from this song. He says, Be kind to yourself. This line, how does it end when the war that you're in is just you against you against you? You've got to learn to love, learn to love, learn to love your enemies too. Let me explain what I mean by that. We get panicky about our influence and about how, how well we're doing and are we performing well and have I said the right things and, and am I in the right circles and am I loving the right people? And, and I think God's just going, oh, well, you just chill. Because you're already doing it. We're already connected. We're already in relationship with people. We already love people. They're already around us. Um, we're not, God's not saying, go and do something. He's just saying, be, be this. Yeah. Be released, actually. Be released to God's perspective. Be released with God's motivation of love. Be released with this message of reconciliation and be released because it's God's power working in you. This song goes on. You can't expect to be perfect. It's a fight. You've got to forfeit. You belong to me, whatever you do. This is God speaking. Uh, so lay down your weapon, take a deep breath, and believe that I love you. And be kind to yourself. The love of God, Christ's love controls us. It's the love for the other, but it's love for us too. When we appreciate the love of God, we stop beating ourselves up and we just release into who we're supposed to be with the motivation of God inside of us. Our relationship with people who don't know Jesus is not about performance, getting it right, or trying to be perfect. It's about being released. Released to God's perspective, released to God's motivation, released with God's message, and released in God's power. Let's pray. Jesus, we, uh, we love you, and we're so grateful for your love to us. Um, we're, um, we just want to trust your love more. We want to believe you when you say, just relax, child, I love you. And I want to show you what I want to do right now. God, we want to go to the people that you send us to. We want to go with a thankful and an open and a bubbling over joyful heart, even into danger. And God, we, we look forward to seeing your power uh, flow through us as we trust you in this space to bring more people to you. In Jesus' name, amen.